Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Good morning, brethren. In the past weeks, we have stressed how the Lord is truly our all in all. We focused on what He's done for us and how much we actually depend on Him. We have seen the Scripture reassures us that the Lord has given Himself for us and to us, and that in Him we have security and safety. And all of that is precious. All of that is absolutely wonderful and important. But we cannot ignore, however, that the Lord also called us to respond to it all and to bear much fruit for Him. We find that in John chapter 15 and verses 1 to 8. Let's read it together. I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Well, the question that is obvious is, are we doing that? Are we responding to our Lord as we should? Or do we think of our role as being a passive role. Let's view it together. Let's study this passage together. Verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that he may bear more fruit. Now, the image used here is, is really not a new image. It was used in the Old Testament by the prophets who referred to Israel as God's vineyard, a vineyard that was carefully planted and cultivated by God himself. But Jesus here placed it in a new light. Jesus here stated that he is the true vine. Where Israel failed, he succeeded. What Israel could not do, could not accomplish, he did accomplish. He was the true fulfillment, in other words, of God's plan for his people. So, to look back at Israel for that fulfillment would be a distraction from the true source of our being in order to replace it with a temporary image or a mere symbol. It's like Having the, a real person in front of us, it's like for, 
for me to have my wife present and I cannot give her attention because I'm still looking at her picture, hoping to be with her. And here in this image, in this parable actually, we see God as a vine dresser. And just like a vine dresser cares for the vine or for the vineyard, God cares for his people and wants us to bear good fruit for the kingdom. But notice that it is God who cares for us, not ourselves. We're not called to be independent, self-sufficient. We're called to be dependent on him. The vine here is Jesus, not us. So who are we? We are merely the branches. And we're called to bear fruit for the vine. Not our fruit, but the vine's fruit. Let's look at verse 3 now. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What cleanses us, of course, is God's word. The living word, Jesus Christ. The gospel that we hear the gospel that we read in, in the Bible, the written word, points us to Christ. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Because apart from him, that good news would have no meaning whatsoever. The gospel would have nothing to say. It would have no content whatsoever. It would be just empty and have nothing to offer. Verses 4 and 5. This is where the key to the parable is. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Notice the first statement. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus here calls us to himself. The emphasis is not on the fact that he abides in us, although that is stated, but it is simply stated. It's almost like it is assumed. The emphasis, however, in the passage, the emphasis in the parable is placed on our calling to abide in him, in that instruction which is the key to understanding the parable. The Lord does not leave us to ourselves. He does not keep himself separate from us. He cares about us. And he gives himself to us. And in the divine power of the Holy Spirit, he united, unites himself with us. He makes us actually one with him. But this passage presupposes that Christ has united himself with us. And because of that, not in order for that to occur, but because of that, he instructs us to abide in him. Our fellowship with him requires our union with him. It requires a response from us. So it's not just his union with us, him being at one with us or making himself one with us. But it's also us making ourselves one with him, our union with him as well. Think of it this way. Our fellowship 
could not be complete unless we respond to the Lord's giving of himself with a giving of ourselves to him as well. In his first letter, John, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, John wrote, the one who says he's abi he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Now that's a very clear statement. Jesus here in John 15, our passage for today, instructs us to abide in him. Later in his letter, John clarifies that if we say that we abide in him, we should also walk in the same manner as he, as he walked. In other words, his grace calls for a response from us. But let's understand it better. Let's, let's use a, another example that will clarify this image here that is contained in this parable. Let's look at what Scripture says about a husband and a wife. In a Christian marriage, as we know, a husband is called to be the initiator, to love his wife as Christ loved and loves the church. So, as a husband, I am to be the initiator. The initiator of what? The initiator of love. The one who provides that love. The one who offers. In other words, as a husband, I am called to give myself to my wife, just as Christ gives himself to the church. But if that was all, there would be little or no relationship between the husband and the wife. If the wife does not respond, not much is really going to happen. There's not much of a relationship. And so scripture points out that the wife is also instructed to respond to that love, to the love of a husband, to the giving of a husband, of himself to her. And she's called to respond to that by reciprocating. In other words, she's called to respond by giving herself to her husband. And so we see the husband initiating that giving, that love, which is a giving of himself to his wife. The wife then responds and reciprocates by loving back and giving herself to the husband. And that love and giving, initiated by the husband, is reciprocated by the wife, who participates in that, forms then a deep bond, an intimate fellowship between the two that represents the relationship between Jesus and the church. But notice, however, that it is not the church who initiates that love, but Jesus Christ. The church responds to that, just like a wife does. In 1 John, Chapter 4 and verse 19, the Apostle Job, John clarified and, and spoke clearly about this. And he said, we love because he first, meaning Jesus, first loved us. We love because God first loved us. You see the, the connection. The husband is called to represent Jesus Christ in a, in a Christian marriage by being the initiator of love, to love his wife as Christ loved the church. The wife is called to respond to that, 
to reciprocate, to participate in that love by loving and giving herself to the husband. And that reflects what the church does. We love, yes, but we love because God lo first loved us. He is the initiator. He is the one who starts it all. He is the one who gives himself to us first. And then we participate in that. We respond to that. We reciprocate that and give ourselves to him to abide in him. And that is the concept that is clearly illustrated in this parable of the vine that we find in John 15. It's not the branch that sustains the vine, but it's the vine that sustains the branch. We are not the vine, we are the branches. Jesus is the vine. Our calling, therefore, is not to initiate, but to respond. What kind of response? You noticed in verse 4, to abide in him. To reciprocate his love, just like the wife is called to do. To, to return his giving by giving of ourselves to him. That response implies to remain firm in him, faithful to him, responsive to him, fully trusting him in our following him, in our obedience to him. Because as verses 4 and 5 state, apart from Jesus Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. But now see that, notice that, that that doesn't say we can do little. It says we can do absolutely nothing. But in him, we can do much. He provides, and we respond. He initiates, and we participate. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. Now, there are several views about this verse and how to understand it. And some of them think that this is talking about the end times where people are going to burn in hell or not. But this is not a doctrinal statement. It is a parable. And this statement is part of a parable. And so it needs to be understood as a parable. So uh, let's do that. Let's understand it in the context of the parable. Jesus is talking about a vine and the branches of the vine. Some branches abide in the vine, meaning they are connected to the vine, and in communion with the vine, in, in, it's one with the vine. Others are not connected. So what happens to a branch that is not connected to the vine? Think about it. That branch cannot produce any fruit, for sure. So it's not useful for producing fruit. The branch of a vine can hardly be able to provide wood for, for any useful work. You can't polish it and clean it or sand it or cut it or anything like that. It's just a little branch of, of the vine. And so it is utterly useless. And so what do you do with it? A useless branch, a, a clipping that falls down, well, you just discard it. You just throw it away. It's burned because you can't use it. That's the point of a parable. It's not so much a matter of what happens in the end times, but is 
It's a very clear statement. The image here stresses how the branch is useless unless it is connected to the vine. Now, to support this view, we can look at simply at Jesus' own words later in verse 11, where he stated that he spoke these things not to worry us or to frighten us, but so that his joy may be complete in us. This statement here is not intended to scare us. It's part of a parable, and the parable itself, what Jesus was saying to the disciples, was such that his joy would be complete in us. Verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So the whole parable here sets the stage for our response. Because Jesus is the vine, the very source of our being, then our response should be to cling to him and reject everything that would separate us or even distract us from him. Because he is our all in all. Now here, when it says that, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, we don't want to take that out of context. Unfortunately, sometimes that is done. The context is that we abide in him and his words abide in us. That means that we are connected to the vine and that we are producing fruit for the vine. And in the process of being at one with the vine, in the process of being producing the fruit for the wine, then we can ask in that context and God will gladly give us what we need to produce that fruit. Because that it, again, as he says, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Bearing fruit for him honors God. It fulfills the very purpose for which the Lord gave, gives himself to us. It is a blessing, indeed. And what an awesome blessing to be able to participate in that work that Jesus Christ himself does. But brethren, it is a blessing that we cannot see unless we respond by abiding in him. Unless we cling to him and are connected in communion, in oneness with him. That's the only way that we can be fruitful. There is no way, just like a branch separated from a vine cannot produce fruit, so we, separated from Christ, apart from Christ, we cannot bear any fruit whatsoever. In John 14, verse 20, Jesus said, In that day you will know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Notice the communion that Jesus is talking about. The communion that is reflected in this parable of the, the vine and the vine and the branches of the vine. Because he is in us, he is also calling for us to be in him. I want to repeat that because it's a key statement. It's very important that we understand what Jesus meant with this. That he meant that because he is in us, he is also calling for us to be in him. The vine provides life and provides everything that the branch needs 
to produce fruit. But the branch needs to be connected to the vine and needs to be at one with the vine in order to produce that fruit. So what do we draw from this? Well, look, brethren, the gospel, the good news that Jesus was referring to, the word which he has spoken, the gospel is all about Jesus. Because without him, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's totally without meaning without Jesus. And Jesus is clearly declared to be in us. We've seen it before. He gave himself to us. He is the very source of our life. The one who gives meaning to our existence, to our being. And if we are to be fruitful, but the only way to do that is to be abiding in him. To be in him and to stand strong and firm in him. Like a branch needs to be connected at one with the vine and not in any way separate. This means a free, a voluntary participation in who we are in Jesus Christ. We cannot make us who we are in Christ ourselves. There is nothing that you and I can do to make us one with Christ. He does that. He gives us the identity. He is the one that makes us Christian. But we can freely and voluntarily participating in who we are in Christ. It means that we voluntarily and willingly walk with Him. That because He is the very source of our being, we can voluntarily and willingly accept the fact that we find our being in Him. Our meaning, the very meaning of our existence is not found in the world. It's not found in, in our prestige or in our reputation in this world or in our wealth or in our health or anything like that but it's found in him if you want to find the true meaning of what it means to be human we need to look at jesus christ so he calls us to find our very being in him and to live accordingly our response does not make us who we are but expresses it, expresses who we are declared to be in Christ, who Christ has already made us to be. Our response expresses that, and it enables us to bear fruit for him. So may our response, our participation be real, be honoring to God, and express our profound desire to be in him, to be at one with him, just as he is in us. Brethren, may we cling to him with all that we have, with all that we are. May we abide in him in all things. And may our communion with him be manifest in every aspect of our lives and bear fruit, much fruit, good fruit, for his kingdom. God bless you. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fail, for the Lord upholds him with his hand.
May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. <laughs>